0: hi everybody welcome to human touch from interact studio thank you so much for coming hey marty interact studio is the communications company that helps you find your voice tell your story and build your influence now before we get started we'd love to ask everyone to turn on your video so we can see that beautiful face and also open up your chat if you haven't already and feel free to just put your observations, your questions, whatever you like in there. We want this to be a dialogue with you. Okay, our guest this morning is my dear friend, Charles Thomas, who as you know, is the program director at Knight Foundation. We'd Love also leads the uh, program work being done for the historic West End, and that's what we're here to talk about. And We're eager to get to that, uh, but first of all, Charles, how are you, man?
1: I'm doing well. How are you doing, Lou? Thanks um, for having me.
0: Oh, you're, you're so welcome. You know, I have thought of you so much this past year, you and Michaela, because having three boys in the house the year has probably been a challenge for you, hasn't it?
1: Um, yeah, I think, I guess um, it's been, um, so it's one of those things where it's, it's such a challenging time for our city and our country and our community um, with what folks are going through. Um, but we've had some blessings with, you know, working from home, spending a lot of time together, spending more time together. So there's, there's, some, good, there's some good in that, some of the, the bad macro circumstances.
0: Yeah, that's right. And we have to look for those, don't we?
1: Yeah, I think so, for sure.
0: Now, Charles, uh, early on in your career, before we get to the historic West End, early on in your career, uh, you were on your way to being a corporate rock star. I mean, you (laughs) you had your economic degree from duke you were already in a promising career as a consultant in financial services and all of a sudden you took a turn and you wound up in the arts and arts administration so how did that come about and you know what has it meant to your journey
1: so yeah um let's see where do where do i begin so yeah when i came out of school um You know, I I grew up here in Charlotte, um, spent a lot of my time, most of my time in the Greer Heights neighborhood, a Greer town, as some of us call it. And so for me, it was all about, you know, making lots of money when I grow up and graduate from school. And so I had that opportunity working for a corporation here in Charlotte. Um, And then after two or three years, just realized that even with the money that I was making, I wasn't really happy. So what was calling me was having a life that was more purpose-driven, so I had that goal that when I turned 40, I was gonna retire, be a millionaire, and then that's when I was gonna start like, doing work for the community, and I just couldn't, it just, I couldn't wait. So I left um, without really a plan and, and started following things that I really enjoyed, and one of those was, I always wanted to take um, a photography class. So I took a class at Central Piedmont Community College, um, fell in love with the class and fell in love with photography. Um, And at the end of that um, semester, I took my portfolio over to the Charlotte Post and asked if I could become a freelance photographer with them. And um, they said yes and gave me a chance. And then along the same times, I was um, teaching at um, Cotswold Elementary as an assistant teacher and fell in love with teaching, but didn't really want to do it in the school system. So I combined that and created photography programs for kids in the schools, um, primarily K through five. Um, And just began started a business called Sankofa photography grew my hair long um, just had a really good time so uh, so yeah it was just it was all about living a life of you know really understanding who i was and being purpose driven
0: yeah yeah i i met you when sankofa photography was a fairly new thing and i remember talking about because i love that name um well you wound up obviously at Knight Foundation. Tell us a little bit about how the philanthropy model there is different. What's What sets it apart in terms of its style of philanthropy?
1: All right, I'm happy to do that. Um, and I wanna acknowledge my colleague, Elisa Evans is on the call with me. So she's gonna correct anything that I get wrong um, from a Knight Foundation perspective. Um, so, Uh, Lisa works with me here in Charlotte so um so those of you who don't know Knight Foundation is um formerly a newspaper company um so uh Knight the Knight brothers um John and James L Knight were owners of newspapers around the country and so they owned the Charlotte Observer and purchased it in 1955 uh and then the Knight Foundation was formed um along the way in the 60s um and with a mission similar to journalism fostering more informed and engaged communities and so what makes uh, Knight Foundation unique is that um, uh, we're, we're not, um, sometimes when people think about philanthropy or foundations, they think about charity, um, just giving dollars away. So we're, we're, we're not that, we're social investors. We're very strategic with our dollars. Um, I really appreciate, what I appreciated um, on my predecessor, Susan Patterson in her role was Knight struck me as very innovative and very much in touch with the community and the, the people Um, so Knight has a value around technology as a way to engage the community. So using technology to inform and engage residents. Um, we have a very flexible granting cycle for anyone that's had conversations with me about Knight, Knight funding. So we grant throughout the year, that's very different. Um, but primarily what I, what I like in this role is that we're very much resident centered in our work, um, and that we seek to be partners with our grantees. So, um, you know, my impression, I used to be, I used to run an organization called Queen City Forward, and I also worked at the Light Factory Museum, so I've, I've worked in nonprofit work and wrote lots of grants, and I had an impression of philanthropy as if, you know, someone that was sitting, you know, you know, some say an ivory tower or far away, um, and so Knight Foundation, and, and particularly in the work that Elisa and I do, we, we typically don't want to be behind a desk or in an office. We want to be, you know, where community is and where residents are leading, and so that's a unique um, way that we approach the work, um, particularly here in Charlotte. And I think it's unique for Knight Foundation and it's what allowed me to kind of pull together my personal passion with with the organization's mission. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so you had uh, a little bit of a life's curriculum leading up to winding up where you are through Queen City Forward and the the light studio. Well, what drew your focus to the historic west end and you know i know it's become a personal passion for you so tell us about that and why is it so important that we do this work now
1: so um so i started at knight foundation in 2016 and, and as a program director and there um what's another unique element about knight foundation is that we are a national foundation so we're based in miami I am the local program director, the local representative, if you will. And I have colleagues in, in eight other cities like Detroit, Philadelphia, San Jose. Um, and so coming in in 2016 was right when um, the city was going through the economic mobility report. The task force was together. So I got to immediately sit in on those conversations and read about the challenges we have around economic mobility. Um, so that sat with me as I was thinking about what Knight would do in Charlotte. And so as the program director, I get to formulate what our strategy will be in Charlotte. So it's a really unique honor. Um, so and then I began to look at what my colleagues were doing in other cities, particularly in Akron and Macon, um, Georgia, where they're focused on downtown revitalization, downtown development. And I felt like, well, in Charlotte, it's not about I mean, downtown is going doing well. I remember I grew up here. I remember when downtown was, not you know, was, was vacant. Um, So to me, that wasn't what, you know, needed to happen. And what I saw, it wasn't about what Knight does. It's not just about downtown redevelopment. It's about making places and spaces more livable, more walkable, more people-centric. And so I said, well, how might we apply these strengths to Charlotte? And to me, it was, it felt like we should work in the ring cities or the ring, the neighborhoods around Center City, because those were the neighborhoods that were going to go through rapid change, Um, and they're neighborhoods that have historically or recently historically experienced underinvestment. Um, and so it felt like there was more opportunity in those type of districts because if we're really going to be about economic mobility, here are some areas where we may be able to you know, um, create, help to, to make a, support a neighborhood having more access to more opportunity, so, such as jobs, good schools, um, better uh, transit. Uh, so helping the neighborhood to do that. In, a, in an effort to help create and under, you know, undo some of the legacies we have around segregated policies that have segregated our community. So if you think about our history in our, in our city of redlining um, and dividing our community up and dividing up our resources, communities such as the West End have been on the, um, the, the, the downside, the negative end of that, um, has not, have not received the resources that they need And here is in this time and day where a community where we're growing a city that's growing so quickly, um, where we have so much growth, there could be an opportunity to to figure out a way to make sure that residents um, in neighborhoods like the West End are involved in the growth and are participating and benefiting from the growth. So I framed all this under this idea of what what I call equitable development. So development that engages residents and so that residents are participating. And I thought it was critical because we're at a time where we're we're seeking we say we want to advance economic mobility we are rewriting our plan for the city so the comp 2040 plan if folks don't know the, the idea of what is our vision for charlotte in 2040 and how do we want to design our city um, the land use policy is so critical to how we design our city highways were built to destroy black neighborhoods in the past and so do we want to continue to do that and so this is the time to work in districts such as the historic west End, support residents being a part of the and the capacity of the neighborhoods to develop their own neighborhood. So another part of what drew um, Knight to the West End is that in Charlotte, we don't have a lot of community development corporations or CDCs. Whereas if you go to Detroit or Philadelphia, you have a CDC almost on every corner. And so years ago, the CDCs and the, the Northwest corridor CDC in the West End, you know, went under and so those organizations were responsible for bringing grocery stores and bringing atrium health to the neighborhood. So what if we were able to build up those type of entities in the, in, the, in the district? And so all of those were components to, you know, what drew Knight Foundation to the West End, in addition to the incredible assets such as johnson C Smith University, great leaders such as Miss Maddie Marshall, who I see is on the call. So it's a neighborhood that has produced, you know, mayors and leaders of our city. Um, and continues to be a a part of what makes Charlotte a great community. And so for Knight, it felt like this was the time to get involved. This was an opportunity to to model equitable and comprehensive community development. And if we could do it well um, in the West End as in partnership with residents, then maybe Charlotte can learn and do this well across the city. And maybe we could be an example for um, the entire nation and how you advance equitable development. Um, in comprehensive community development in your cities. Yeah, gosh.
0: You know, when you look, Charles, at uh, the other night cities, when you compare them to Charlotte, you know, what? Um, what's our biggest challenge, do you think, overall in the big picture?
1: So um, when I look at other night cities, so Charlotte is very lucky. Um, so in our portfolio of night cities, we have um, Rust Belt, cities, um, small cities that have, that are seeing a decline in population, we're seeing an increase in population. We have a lot of corporations in our city. We, um, um, we have, we're, you know, we have people that are wanting to move here. Um, and we have a history of the public and private sector working well together to advance um, some of the, to move forward on some of the social issues that we have in our community. Where we are, I see that we, we may be a little bit behind our, our peer cities is that We don't have as much philanthropy Um, for some of you may or may not know, but there's not as many foundations in Charlotte and in the South in general, as you may find in like Detroit and Philadelphia, um, particularly Detroit. There's a lot of foundations in Detroit. Um, I think this is not an issue just in Charlotte. It's an issue across all night cities, but we're seeing a decline in local news in our community. That was the call that I was on right before is, you know, how do we make sure that our community is getting um, uh, information that they trust? Um, and as we all know, with the the onset of digital and the, you know, the, the crumbling of the news business model, um, we're, we're living in an era where folks don't trust information. And that's, you know, that's not just the Charlotte thing, but that's something that we have to keep our eye on. Another area that is near and dear to my heart, as we talked earlier, is the art sector. So I think that our community has a, a big, um, uh, a, a role and room to grow as it relates to supporting artists and the. Um, music sector in our community. Um, and I see in other cities like Detroit, Miami, which are other night cities, there's, is, there's is a, we have a thriving art scene in Charlotte, but I just, what I see is philanthropy is more involved in supporting that as well as the city um, and the, the government is more involved in supporting arts in other cities. Um, and then the other area that you may or may not have noticed is that our, our level of investment in public spaces. Um, so we, you know, we have some good, great public spaces in Charlotte, but our level of investment to our peer cities around the country is, is low. Um, so I think it's critical right now, is if, if those of you on the call, if you haven't already been involved in the county's plan for improving our parks, as well as the comprehensive 2040 plan, we've got to really come together as a community and think about how do we inv- adv- invest in public spaces, as well as invest in, in districts like the historic West End, so that we build a, a city that is truly for all people and that's truly equitable. Um, and that we put our money where our mouth is around economic mobility. So it's critical that we we look at where we are lacking and we come together and we figure out how we can fill those those gaps, because I believe that we have plenty of resources to close the gaps in our community and to make sure that all our citizens are are benefiting from from our growth.
0: Yeah Yeah, I know Susie had a a question for you. Charles, uh- I would love to hear you talk about the proposed changes in arts funding and the impact that you see on communities like the West End where we've got some really great creative entrepreneurs.
1: So um, really good question. So for, for me and for Knight Foundation, what we think is critical at this time as we think about arts funding is that more residents are engaged in the process. And more artists are engaged in the process. Uh, I think it's important that we think about how do we support the arts in the long term. I'm really I'm glad that the city and the corporate or private sector is thinking about putting more dollars towards the arts. Um, I think that we need to at this time really think about how we move it forward if we're going to change how we you know disperse funding to make sure that it's equitable. Um, You know, the Arts and Science Council came out with uh, the, and I give them mad credit and props for this, uh, an equity report, you know, reporting on the the lack of investment, particularly in Black and Latinx-led arts organizations. And we have, you know, this is an opportunity for us to change that. We have, how we make sure that individual emerging artists, small arts organizations, as well as the large arts organizations are funded Um, and that we think about that we engage the community so the community begins to recognize how arts plays a role in so many aspects of our lives um, so that we are not just um, so that we're thinking you know that we're patronizing arts and artists and that we're thinking about individual artists whether it's with our dollars or where we show up so each of us has a a role to play and we definitely have a role to play in terms of where our public dollars go as the city and the county and the, the impact of it on the West End is like behind me you see is a picture of the Five Points Plaza, which is a new park that the city is building in the West End. Um, right over my shoulder is a public art piece that ASC um, brought a really great artist um, uh, to uh, to the West End to build this piece that's going to be built there. Arts is critical to the West End. Um, it's we As you drive to the West End, you're going to see lots of really um, cool murals that are going up. Um, and, you know, I know like folks like Miss Maddie, Miss Maddie um, years ago brought me to the West End to work with um, students and, and kids in um, Washington Heights to do a photography lesson. So I think it's critical and important that arts is everywhere everywhere for, for all citizens. Um, I've been a big fan of ASC's culture blocks where they're bringing arts out into neighborhoods and districts. Um, and I agree with you that there are artists in our districts in the West End Um, That again, if we are focused on making sure that our funding is equitable and that we're making sure that everyone gets access to the arts, we will find those artists and we'll make sure that they have, you know, they're playing a role in, you know, in developing and making our city an attractive city for, you know, for people to come to and to enjoy. Yeah.
0: Who else has a question for Charles? This is such a rich conversation. Where's your personal journey with all of this, Charles, where, where are you in lockstep with the development of your role with Knight Foundation? You've come so, a long way.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I have um, uh, five years at night. Um, it, it feels like I feel very blessed to be in this role. I'm very thankful to be in this role. Um, and um I'm very thankful that the work that we do gets to to be you know in the West End and in arts and in local news here in Charlotte. So we've made some as well as with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Library. We've made some really um awesome investments um, throughout the city. Um, and it's um, exciting to be in a place where you know we can, you know potentially have influence on the the future of the city and how the city develops. Um, and so, um, it's it's an honorable i mean i'm very thankful I feel very blessed um i'm I'm thankful to a lot of folks that are on this call that you know have been a part of the journey um for my journey including you Lou mark Perez um you know several of you have been guides and mentors along the way um and I'm thankful for you know the folks in the West End that you know it's really hard sometimes for me to to get on and talk about the West End because I really do not want it to come across at Knight Foundation you know we are a partner in the West End. We're, you know, we're, we're coming to partner with residents. We do not have all the answers or no, this is something that is driven by the community and the residents. So I'm very cautious in how I answer questions about the West End when I'd much rather it be a West End resident that answers that question because they've been there a lot longer than Knight Foundation has been. Um, And they have the vision for what the neighborhood is going to be. And it's our job to work with them to power that vision. And I think it's all of our jobs and all of our communities to work to engage residents to to make sure that they're, you know what they see is important and critical in their neighborhood comes to fruition and what the challenges are, are, are taken care of as neighbors across all parts of our city. Yeah.
0: I have a question from Marty, Marty Visor, who says, what defines the West End exactly?
1: The historic West End? Yes. Um, that's a good question. So I, I might have to turn that one over to, to Miss Maddie. Miss Maddie, if, if I get this wrong, feel free to, 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 to jump off because the West End has, has gone through different names over the years. Um, but um, what typically in terms of the work that we do, it includes uh, the area that's around Johnson C Smith University. So that's uh, Biddleville, Smallwood, um, Seversville, um, and portions of Wesley Heights. Um, the West End also goes further up the Baby's Ford Road um, um, road all the way out to, almost out to, it depends on where you look at it. I live just past um, Sunset off of Baby's Ford Road. I don't, I see the sign ends right before you get to my house. Um, so that's from, you know, uh, 77 all the way up to Sunset or Hornet Smets Park um, is considered the historic West End um, as of right now. Okay. I got- all right, thank you, Miss Maddie. I knew you were going to jump in on that
2: one. <laughs> yes, and I thank you. You're doing an excellent job. Yes, historic West End starts around the I-77. We have a pillow that's near the Bojangles on West Trade Street, and um, we kind of extended it. At first, it was like historic West End, and it was about 13 neighborhoods surrounding Johnson C. Smith. But as time went on, the northwest Carter kind of went on up. It's almost up to the Mount Holly Huntersville Road because all of it's that part of that historic West End.
1: Well, that means um, I live in the West End Miss Maddie.
2: Yes, right.
1: All right, perfect.
2: (laughs) Part of the
0: history. That's right. Okay, thank you so much for being on. Thank you. Thank you, Maddie. We have a question from our friends at Trees Charlotte. What is the healthiest way for, for partners, nonprofits to become involved with initiatives? Uh, for example, are there committees that need members and additional support that you know of?
1: Uh, to to com- become involved in did you, the West End? Is that where you're?
0: Yeah. They're... Yeah. Initiatives to support West End.
1: Well, that's a... Uh, um... So, if if you live in the West End, um, I invite you to really get involved in the many initiatives that are going on. So, there's the Five Points Plaza that um, uh, that's behind me. The city has been um, there's a committee and a management team. The cool thing: this is one of the the city doesn't build. Now, you got to remember that the county is usually builds parks. The city typically doesn't build parks. So this is kind of like this more of an urban small plaza park and it's being designed in a way that the residents actually program the space. The Knight um, invested $400,000 over three years so that residents would not only be a part would, but be a part of managing and programming the community. So there's a whole um, effort and group that's working on that. Um, There's also efforts around um, the babies Fort LaSalle corridor called the urban Maine. Um, And again, I, I typically it's, if, if folks are, you know, live in the West End, I think there are lots of things to get involved in. Um, if you're um, outside of the West End, then I would say, you know, consider coming to the Rosa Parks Farmers Market, which is probably going to be opening um, in June. You know, please come to events and programming in the West End to support the, the new businesses that are going to be opening. There's a new um um, I don't know if you know this, Miss Maddie, there's like a new Rita's ice cream shop that's opening, a Jets pizza that's opening in the West End, some new spas. So there's lots of yes. um, great businesses that are, along. oh, West, well, if you want to come, like if you want to get some great seafood, um, West Side um, Seafood, it's a great place to get a, a, a fish sandwich. So, so there's some great like businesses that are along the, the, the corridor that we'd love for you guys to come in uh, uh, and sample. Oh,
0: gosh, that's great. That's great. We are almost out of time. No. So. Okay. Did someone ask about the tree
2: canopy?
1: I was hoping they were going to ask about that.
2: Well, let's take time to do that. Oh well, we're also part of uh, Clean Air Carolina and the Historic West End Green District. Fabulous. What Lou? What class were you in in leadership, Charlotte? Oh gosh! Um, okay, Lou.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Twenty-one, Maddie. Well, I was nineteen, so Lou. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and I have hung out at a reception or two. We absolutely have. We're we're old timers. So okay. <laughs> Great seeing you. Good seeing you too, Josh, Thank you so much. Thanks, Ms. Maddie. Yeah, everybody. (laughs) Listen, um, let me give a quick shout out to the Interact family in the house. We have Michael Samet, Porter Metzler, Patrick Sheehan, Susie Adams, and Jess Barilla. We also want to tell you we're really excited about a free webinar coming up on June 10th. It's called Spark, Communication Tools to Ignite Change which is really important, more important than ever right now. And you can sign up at interactstudio.com. You can also expect follow-up on this program, and we'll give you more information about how to get involved in supporting the historic West End. Next up on Human Touch, on the 20th, we have a Dr. Pam Oliver of Novant Health, and she's going to talk to us about her vision for transforming healthcare based on relationships. And she's just an awesome human being. She might even share with us how to stay safe over Memorial Day weekend. But Charles Thomas, once again, we love you, man. Thank you so much for all you do. And we just appreciate you being with us today.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. And um, I was just going through the chat. There are a lot of really cool questions that folks asked in, that, in the chat. So um, I'm happy to talk further with folks, some really good questions around how do you, you know, keep people in place and displacement. These are key elements that again, I think if you read our comprehensive 2040 plan, and if you haven't gotten involved with that, think about how we're planning our city and moving it forward and think about how you can participate in making sure that all residents can have a place that's affordable and healthy and safe and prosperous to live. Um, so um, so again, thank you for all those questions. I, I welcome further conversation and I, I appreciate all your support um, in making sure that all of our communities are thriving. Thank you.
0: Well, Charles, if you wanna hang out for a little bit, the folks who ans- ask the questions, I'm sure would love to to do the same with you. We know some people have to jump, but if you have a minute, perhaps you'd stay with us. and. And answer those questions. Is that okay? Happy,
1: happy to do it. Yeah, I have till 12.
0: Okay, great. Well, you see them there. Do you want to just scroll through and.
1: Uh, yeah. Or you can have people raise their hand if they know how to use that function. But um, so what's the healthiest way for partners to get involved in the West end Are there committees that need more members, for example. So that came from tree Charlotte and I shared a little bit about that in um, also, just know that Knight Foundation is a huge fan and supportive of Tree Charlotte. And again, another opportunity for us to strengthen our policies around our tree canopy. If you haven't noticed, I've noticed around my neighborhood, we're losing lots of trees. Oh, yeah. Um, and we do not have strong policies in both the city and the county to support that. So um, uh, a high five to Tree Charlotte. Yeah. And then I see, is it A.W. Burgess? You raise your hand.
3: Yes, Charles. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so far, um, my question is: uh, What's the Knights um, Foundation's position on addressing the mental health, um, uh, you know, disparities that we've experienced in our LMI communities, and how do we tie that to um, your initiative and, and, and make it work for the residents? I, I've always said that, obviously, arts a great therapy and a great way of coping with some of the conditions that we're subjected to. But um, if we don't have you know, those resources, mental health resources that are not in our communities, what is there really to, to smile about? Um, I think if we could um, give the best of both worlds where folks can have a resource center where they can learn those things and learn you know, arts and music appreciation, um, to build their mental health capacities, I think that's a great impact. Um, and just wanted to know y'all's perspective of tying that in.
1: So I think um, mental health and family stability is critical to to the work that we're doing in the West End and to um, some of our neighborhoods that are that are challenged. Um, I think that. We as a community, um, and this is something that Knight Foundation has been really advocating for. So it's not as much our dollars. So we don't we don't make grants to you know, around mental health or family stability. That's not our strength. I don't we don't have that knowledge. But what we've been seeking to do is partner with you know healthcare agencies as well as the county. And that what I think is critical. I mean, I'd love for folks to kind of you know feel free to push back or to to think about. Is as we do our work in communities, we're not thinking about it holistically and comprehensively. And when I say we, there there are too many times. Like I am consistently shocked by the time the number of times we convene people, um, whether it's the city or the county or nonprofits, and those groups have not been talking to each other. Um, it is just shocking that we are not all working better. Um, there's still either silos or you know I don't you know we could we could try to understand that. But I really, and we really advocate for a comprehensive approach to community and neighborhood development. So what we've been working on is is partnering with groups like the United Way to organize and bring funders, whether they're philanthropic or public or private, together to think about how we invest in communities and neighborhoods. Um, and, I, and, and thinking about um, safety, thinking about mental health, I think it's important to think about education. So... You know, we have some, uh, you know, in in the West End, there's definitely challenges in that. And we need more resources that are, you know, placed. And so, um, so I completely agree. And I I, I would, what I would wish and want is that there are, that night is at the table with other folks that are thinking about it. And what we're good at is probably around supporting, um, you know, placemaking and helping places be vibrant and walkable and livable. And so, but in the areas that we're looking at, like if you just go off around the corner, you know there are mental health issues that are happening. So we need to be partnered with, with the county on that or United Way so that we're in those nonprofits working in, those in, in, in the West End and the district that are bringing those resources together. And we're happy to be a, um, a, a thought partner in that. And a lot of times that what I do, and I don't mind doing, is I, I love connecting people. And so if it's not something that Knight can do, then I try to think of who is in that area and, and then I share information and connect. And, and that's the way I think we're, we can break down silos. So great, great question, thank you. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Did you see the question from Michelle Charles? What, what was that think, question? What do you think could be done to get individuals to think about supporting local creatives as purchasers, collectors? And if you think of a city like Miami, there's a very healthy commercial art scene there, in addition to philanthropic support.
1: Man, I don't know if I have an answer on that in terms of how to help improve individual collection. Um, I know that private um, galleries can have a challenge in our community. And um, so continuing to like, well, maybe I do have an answer, but it's, you know, it's, I don't know if it's too hard of an answer, but. One of the things I think we're, we're missing in our community is we continue to cut arts funding in our schools. So we're not really building the, the pipeline of folks appreciating the arts. I remember taking field trips to the symphony, to the Mint Museum when I was a kid. And I also remember in the early 2000s when those, those field trips were cut, um, where kids were not being taken to arts. And then, like I said, if you're not bringing arts into communities, then, you know, I think you're not building the next generation of art lovers and, you know, and artists. So, so that's one way to think about it. Um, I, I think we can also get creative. And this is why we have such a vibrant, you know, scene, art scene. That years ago, we might say it was underground, but it's not underground. I think we really need to continue to invest in, in really in those artists doing really cool stuff and bring arts into the street so that it just becomes something that people see and, and interact with every day and they appreciate. And then I think that may begin to lead people to get to the level of appreciation to where they buy it and support it in that way. Uh, but I think there's some education and connectivity and relationships that need to be built there. So there's probably more creativity um, in the, the private gallery sector, um, partnered with the nonprofit art sector to, to build that. But that's a great question um, that we need to work on.
0: Yeah, Jess, you had a question. Jess Barilla. Hi, yes, hello.
2: Um, I, I work at WCCB Charlotte CW and actually I just went to that Savona Mill. They have that Sistine Chapel exhibit and was talking to the developer from Argos mentioning how they're, they're hoping to revamp uh, that whole entire mill area and, and their intention is not to push people out but to bring something more to the neighborhood. Are you familiar with that project and what are, you, what are your thoughts if so?
1: I don't have the details of where Savona Mill is at this stage. Um, I know um, uh, Greg, the owner, um, has been, you know, working the mill for quite some time. Um, I think that I really hope that the the residents in Seversville are really paying attention to Savona Mill and the development. There's a lot of major purchases that have occurred in that area, um, and you know. Uh, I, I would say that I, I, don't, I don't have an opinion on it. And what, my, what, what I would say is that I hope that residents are being engaged and involved in it um, and that, you know, we're in a, a we're in a time where folks holding people to their words. I think it's critical. Um, and it's also, I think, can be a challenge for a developer because, you know, you know, the challenging of, of, of making the financing work. Um so that you can make um, affordable um, and, and mixed income neighborhoods is is the challenge that a developer undergoes. so that's the other side. Um, but I, I think if we if those developers are really sincere, then they they have residents that are part of their process and that they won't reveal you know their their plans you know after they've gone far down the road and uh, without conversation. so i've I've been kind of tangentially aware of that project and and I hope again that it's it's something that will benefit and connect back to the residents and employee residents, you know, when as it gets built up, you know, so um, uh, I think that what I've observed from the relationship between, you know, the residents um, in the North End and Camp North End, um, I've seen some very solid partnerships between the developer that owns Camp North End and the residents. And so, and that's led to some really interesting, you know, uh, I think if uh, you know from the arts that are there, like Goodyear Arts, um, um, Dupp and Swat, uh, to some of the businesses that are there. Um, I know that some of those businesses were given opportunities and giving low leases, um, low cost leases in the beginning. And I would hope that Savannah Mill and would could and could do something similar, you know, could activate the space in a way that engages residents along the way versus build something big and say, hey, I hope you'll come to that. So that's my hope. That'd be yeah. Great.
0: Yeah. Who else? Anyone with a final question? Well, Charles, we're just so happy you're on the wall for us, man. It's, this has been just delightful to spend time with you and get your insight and and feel more in touch with the good work being done by Knight Foundation. If any of you would like to send us your information so that we can send it back out to everyone, feel free to in our follow-up. Porter always sends a nice link to the recording as well as any information that people have asked for. So if you'd like to send it to us, then send it to porter at interactstudio.com and we'll make sure it gets in the follow-up for everyone and we just appreciate you hanging with us for this additional time that's uh, that says a good bit about who you are and certainly the work that Charles and Knight Foundation are doing so thank you have a great day and an even better weekend. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks Lou. Bye.
0: Yeah. Bye.